This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week, two stupendous individuals, Nick White. Hey. And Kate Scotchless. Hello. We are in this. I'm running off the high of New York City Comic Con and the Wiktiv party. I may sound a little raspier than usual because I screamed my lungs out to a bunch of 80s pop songs last night, as you do when you're at a goth dance party. Um... Yeah, I, I I still have glitter all over my body. It's all Tia's fault. Um, it was fantastic. I think Tia and I might do like a mini soda or something about it coming in the future. We'll let you guys know. But, you know, we're here to talk about comic books. And so let me ask the question I ask every single week. How have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Kate. I'm okay. I am chugging along here with the uh, fall, fall grind. And trying to take some breaks between working hard and I wanted to get in that fall spirit. So mm-hmm. I read Pumpkin Heads, which is the new one, a uh, new OGN out from Rainbow Rowell um, nice. with art by Faith Aaron Hicks and colors by Sarah Stern. Mm-hmm. I was excited enough about this to just buy it sight unseen on uh, admittedly off of Lord Bezos site for <laughs> so much less money. See, that's the thing. Like, I want to support local shops. So first of all, I don't know where my local shop is uh, yet because I moved and I know I know the name. I have not actually found it yet. But second of all, man, when they give you like a $10 discount, it is hard to say no. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. got it for only 12 bucks, which was really nice for a graphic novel. But here's the thing. Pages fell out when I read it. What? Of my brand new graphic novel, yeah. Like, it wasn't oh, sewn together properly, so pages, like, they came out two at a time, you know how they're connected, so they should have been, yeah. like, glued or sewed in. Well, they didn't, so I'm returning it, Um, but I still read it. Mm-hmm. The story is pretty basic. I thought that it was for, it felt like it was intended for younger ages, even than Rainbow Rowell's other books that I've read that were YA. Mm-hmm. Um, So it was very simple in that sense, but I enjoyed it. So I I was looking for a brain break, right? So it worked well in that sense for me. But the big thing that I wanted and why I bought it was I wanted that fall atmosphere vibe, you know, like that makes you feel like, oh boy, crisp apple cider and fall crunchy leaves and all that stuff. And oh boy, does it deliver on that front. It was fantastic. Um, So the other thing that I really liked about it is it was great for like having LGBT representation and having like the kids actually shaped like children, like like teenagers Mm -hmm. and being, you know, not just exclusively white kids and all that stuff. So that that like boosted it by a star on Goodreads for me, um, just because when you actually get to see yourself in a comic, it it can be lovely and really enhance the experience. Right, right. Um, but it's about these two kids who it's their very they're seniors in high school. So this is their last fall working at this. Um, it it says pumpkin patch and they call it the patch all through it. But it's very much like if you live by in a big city and then you go like thirty minutes out and there's an apple farm, you get these kind of like carnivaly like oh, yeah. uh, places <laughs> that yeah. have city a slickers. million. So this is the yeah. escapism you've been looking for. Yeah, exactly. And so there's like a million different things there to do and to see, like with like a hayride, but also like with the bouncy house and also the caramel apple stand and also the this. You know, like I actually just went to one of these outside of Lansing. Um, and it was not as cool as the one in the book, but that's the what they're they're at. They're working. They've both worked at the same stand at this place for every fall, and so it's their very last Halloween, and they're both sad and nostalgic about it, and trying to do all the things uh, because mm-hmm. they're gonna miss it, and because they're doing all the things that takes you all around this um, this place that I want to exist and I want to go to very badly. Um, and I think the biggest sell is for if I had to pitch this to someone else is that when I read this, I immediately after finishing it went and bought some apple cider <laughs> because I had to have it. That's how in the spirit it gets you. That's so, awesome. Yeah, I definitely would recommend it. I would go into it knowing that it is going to be kind of a simple breezy read and not mm-hmm. expect a lot of complexity out of it and knowing that i think you'll have a better time yeah and i mean i think that's that's 
totally fine for a comic book too. Like sometimes you just need like a nice read. And exactly. that's, it sounds to me like that's what this is. Yep. And that was exactly what I needed and exactly what was delivered. And I think also when I, I would guess that this is probably really age appropriate for like early middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for them, it might not be quite such a simple book. There's, there's kind of the bigger ideas of what, what are friends and what are, you know, these life transitions and figuring out who you are and all that, you know, that kind of stuff that mm-hmm. um, I think if you're not in your 30s is probably a, a bigger concept and all that stuff to deal with. So, yeah, yeah, I'm I, I've been meaning to pick this up. I'm probably going to wait until the trees actually start to change colors here in New York before I grab it. But uh, oh, that will we've, be fully, we've got fully some color change here. All three of them. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, Nick, how about you? How have you been? How have comic books been? Um, well, I, I, I think as some of you know, uh, recently I um, decided that I would try to um, get a library card again because um, I guess misery loves company and there's enough other people going there, so I figured it was about time. Oh my uh, God, Nick. Yeah. Oh my God. And... Um, you, know, you faced your demons. I'm so proud of you. Well, the you saga know, is, is it this, over this, yet? This That's only the would uh, I think this only would have gone as well uh, as it did uh, just because um, they didn't have any record of me uh, <laughs> previously being there, <laughs> so um, they weren't immediately. You know, I, I I didn't see the wanted poster on the wall with my name and you know saying you know wanted for keeping a GRE book out for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. So. Um, yeah, uh, so that went okay, and then they're like, hey, I hope this is okay, but, um, now we're gonna take probably a week or a week and a half to mail this card, uh, probably not even a mile, maybe two miles, um, <laughs> across town, and I was like, library efficiency, I, I, I almost missed you. They mail it to you? Oh, yeah, they wouldn't give it to wow. me. Wow, I've never had them not just hand it to me. That's really bizarre. Yeah, I actually just got a library card um, this week too. Well, I mean, I guess I, I guess I started something, right? Um. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I actually found out that so I'd been putting it off because I thought I had to change my license first, and I didn't want to go to the Secretary of State's office. And then I found out that uh, because East Lansing basically only exists because of Michigan State, like. The Michigan State population of East Lansing is like 50,000, and mm-hmm. the population of East Lansing when the kids aren't there in the summer is like 10,000. So they're like, yeah, we don't care if you about your driver's license. If you just bring a school ID, that's fine. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. oh, well, cool. Okay. So I went and did it. Sorry, I did interrupt you, though. What did you get at the library? Oh, so then they're like, you you can check out two books right now. And so I'm like, oh, good. I'm already on probation with these people. This is fantastic. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> someone knows. Someone, it's, you're not in the system, but there's a rumor. There's a legend of the Nick White of the this Spring Lake area, you, you know. <laughs> I was expecting them to like, you know, be like, don't worry. You're only under house arrest for the first week or something like that. And um, what was most hilarious is that when I went to check out the books, they're like, here's 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 your library card number on this piece of paper, and you just give this to us, and we'll let you check out two books or whatever. I walk up there, and they just lean behind the counter. They take the card that they're going to mail to me, and they just scan oh it, God. and then they let me check out two books. And it's oh, like, what the what hell? is going on? It's so weird. Maybe maybe they wanted to like confirm the the address thing. Maybe they wanted to like make sure that your address is actually the address that you send to that. I, that seems like so over precautionary for such a small library. Like yeah. <laughs> I can yeah. understand that maybe you like in New York or like look. a big city. Yeah, yeah. Well, Nick, like I told you, shifty. I told you. You know, some of these some of these people have been there forever, so I'm sure a couple of them were like, yeah, we we remember him. Mm-hmm. They've got a Lieutenant Bookman that works at their library. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I did finally get my card a few days ago, and I've gone to the next city over where they have a bigger selection, and I checked out a bunch of volumes of March and some other stuff and started signing up for all the digital services that you can use, et cetera, et cetera. So, mm-hmm. um, but one but of the books... To get to the I question, ch- what did you actually read, Nick? <laughs> yeah, so one of the books that I got via via hoopla was um lock and key volume one that's written by joe hill he's stephen king's son 
Um, Had you Gabriel read Gabriel Rodriguez did the art. Um, J Photos Colors, Robbie Robbins Letters. Um, I guess I kind of forgot that the series is actually pretty old. Um, mm-hmm. Quote, unquote, pretty old as far as modern comics go. Uh, so that began in February 08, concluded in December 13, which kind of surprised me because I thought it only wrapped a year or two ago, but I guess that's because they came back and did Lock and Key Small World three years ago, and then mm-hmm. uh, Lock and Key Heaven and Earth in 2017. Um, I picked this book for the show because it's listed as dark fantasy slash contemporary fantasy, um, which for me was sort of the compromise between... Uh, having to read fantasy and also not having to read about a dwarf in a cave fighting orcs looking mm-hmm. for treasure. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, basically, the beginning of the story is more or less the theme song of The Fresh Prince, if you're familiar with that. If instead of getting in one little fight and your mom getting scared, it's more of a slightly more mired in tragedy series of events, which result yeah, in... <laughs> What's that? Uh, it's a in that it's not even close to the Fresh Prince story, but I like where you're going with it. Sure. Well, it's close in the sense that someone gets uh, has some uh, trouble in their life at the beginning and outset, and is forced to move across the country to live with their auntie and uncle. Um, in that sure, sense, yeah. it is the Fresh Prince. Okay. Okay. I know it's a stretch. Roll with me, guys. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, you you have a mom and a trio of kids that survive a home invasion, and they end up moving from California to Massachusetts to live with their deceased dad's brother, um, where they live in this weird place called Key House, which has doors that if you go through, they turn you into a ghost. Um, There are talking spirits that are trapped within wells on the property. Um, I mean, it's fantasy for you. It's, what do you want? Um... We sort of get the idea that there's also a past generation of kids Mm -hmm. um, that also were involved or had knowledge of the key house. Uh, Rodriguez really delivers on uh, scenery and settings, but his people all feel kind of samey in their facial features. It's it's not bad to a point where you can't distinguish one character from another, but I think he really struggles with, like, drawing age. Because at the beginning of the book, um, the kids are at the service for their dad, and some guy comes up and talks to them. And he's their uncle, but I actually thought he was another sibling for a while there. Mm-hmm. So, again, like I said, like I think a lot of artists struggle with drawing age, and it's not terrible, but, like, yeah, there are moments where I was like, is this, like, a 36-year-old adult, or is this, like, a high school senior? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sort of those sort of situations. I, I do rather enjoy the key designs. I, I think Rodriguez... Uh, is able to do sequential art. I think if you look at something like his work on Little Nemo, I think he's more at home with that. Um, So, yeah, I I thought that was interesting. Am I going to continue with a little bit hesitantly, but probably, um, like I said, the art wasn't great, but... I, I think there are some interesting ideas there to work with. I I really have to say, I think Rodriguez's art gets phenomenally better as the series goes on so oh. i know that like you may has i mean because you got to think about it little nemo came out 2017 right this uh, is maybe way like after yeah no, 2015 yeah. but still this is way after lock and key and i think as the story progresses and you get more into the horror elements of it uh i think you'll start to enjoy his art a lot more i'll just say that yeah, I mean, I, I, I think we forget sometimes that <laughs> comic book artists, not unlike practicing in any other field, you, you, you can see improvement. People do, you know, uh, work, you know, hone their craft, as you will. Uh, also, briefly, I, I did read Headlopper by Andrew McLean, who wrote and did the art, and Mike Spicer, who did the colors. I'll discuss this book later, but more or less, if you're looking for a pretty paint-by-numbers fantasy narrative, but with a nice, fresh coat of very stylized paint, uh, I, I I think this would do well, uh, provided you're leaning more towards action, sort of sword-and-sandal fantasy than, say, uh, freaking lore dumps where you're learning the economic system of a city-state, <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. What about you, Mike? Uh, for me, I've I read just a handful of books. Um, I've been 
super busy, so I haven't, I didn't have time to sit down to read much. But I did decide, like, I made a conscious effort. I've started it so many times. I was like, I gotta finish it. I finished uh, Little Bird number one through five. This is by Darcy Van Polgeest or Polgeest. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Uh, with art by Ian Bertram. And all I can really say is that this book is super gross, but I love it. <laughs> like it totally. Like Ian Bertram's art gets that visceral, disgusting goriness of bloody bloody fights and i think the dude's an incredibly talented artist um i don't really care for some of the ways that he draws people like their faces but on the whole his art is stupendous there are massive spreads of just huge city cityscapes and like like huge fights that are happening and like I don't think another artist could have tackled him as well as Bertram's art could have. He kind of reminds me of like this strange level of intricacy that you'd see on someone like uh, Martin Maurizzi, uh, uh, or or sorry, who's the guy that's on uh, Ice Cream Man? Right? Did I get that right? Uh, Morazzo, excuse me, Martin Morazzo. I misspoke. Or the guy who did Orkstein, um, whose James name Stoko. I can't remember. Yeah, James Stoko. Like you get this weird level of detail that like seems unnecessary but any less would have made the book worse off didn't bertram do house of penance with peter tomasi i think so i think so and uh yeah so i think like i don't know the book was wild the story is kind of chaotic and it's it's very like empowering about like rising up against the growing terribleness of the world um but it's it's super crazy cyberpunk dystopian future stuff um that i can totally get into and it was an enjoyable read um i think if you're not a fan of gory comics this definitely isn't for you but on the whole is it was a pretty solid book so i'd, I'd recommend that volume one if you can get it yeah i i, I definitely yeah i i know who you're talking about ian bertram um he drew one issue of batman eternal that weekly mm-hmm. book when they were celebrating batman's anniversary and as you can imagine, a lot of people, and again, I'm I'm painting with a, a wide brush here, but uh, people used to looking at, I don't know, Jason Fabic and Doug Mankey's art. Imagine that after a couple weeks of stuff like that, you have Ian Bertram drawing <laughs> the issue of yeah. Batman. Um, people did not know what to do with themselves. Yeah, I could get that. I mean, I think his art can be a little bit jarring, but on the whole... It, it reminds I mean, me of quietly in some ways. Yeah, I was gonna say it does remind me a lot of Frank Quietly. Um, so if that's your bag, I think I think you'll dig this book. And again, this is it kind of reminds me of like Extremity or even Luther Strode to a certain bit. If you were into those books, where there's a lot of gore and there, but there's a lot of heart in the book as well. So um, yeah, I don't know if you're looking for a good fight book that's just got explosions and kills and deaths <laughs> and a really crazy cyberpunk. I want to keep saying cyberpunk, but like that's not really the accurate description of it. Um, but yeah, it's it's very solid. I, I really liked it. But yeah, we got to move on. Let's move on and talk about comic books that are coming out this upcoming week. Comics are dropping on October 9th, 2019. What are you both excited for this week? I'm going to kick it back to you, Nick. Uh, so for me, the book I'm interested in is uh, The Twilight Man, uh, Rod Serling and the Birth of Television. This is written and drawn by, oh boy, I, I, I got a tough one this week, uh, Corin Shadme. Sorry, Corin, and mm-hmm. also sorry if I mispronounced your name incorrectly the second time, too. Um, so, this book is from Humanoids, and what it is, is it's part of their series called Life Drawn, and it's sort of an autobiographical imprint of theirs. They've also done books on Hedy Lamar, Marilyn Monroe, Um Shadme perhaps is best known um, for uh, recently illustrating Rise of the Dungeon Master, again, sort yeah. of an autobiographical thing, about Gary Gygax and the creation of D&D, which was, um, I think it was 2017. Mm-hmm. He also teaches at the School for Visual Arts in NYC. He's had his art in pretty much any and every newspaper and magazine. But as for the book... As they put it, it focuses on, quote, a biographical tale that follows Hollywood revolutionary Rod Serling's rise to fame in the golden age of television and his descent into his own personal Twilight Zone. So obviously, for those who are unaware, he pretty much created the Twilight Zone. If you haven't seen the Twilight Zone um, and you're into sci-fi or fantasy or speculative fiction um, or just um, 
narratives in general, mm-hmm. uh, I would highly recommend it. Uh, I've always learned, I've always known, sorry, I've always known a little bit about him, how he was kind of a revolutionary. He was trying to push um, sort of touchy subjects at the time about trying to get uh, dialogues about race and 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 poverty and injustice and things like this on the air mm-hmm. and as you might imagine the tv censors and the um tv executives weren't really amiable to these ideas because guess what you can't really sell those <laughs> concepts to advertisers very well right and so he always you know was getting creative and doing stories that were more about aliens and about monsters and about uh, dystopian futures but they were not that sometimes subtly sometimes not that subtly allegories for problems plaguing you know society mm-hmm. and so it's one of those things where i know a little but i'd like to know more and so i'm i'm very interested and i've seen the introductory art and it looks quite good yeah i i love that a story like this is being done as a comic book i i think that that's a really beautiful way to tell this story especially something that's going to be very visual you know regarding television and things like that i think that's should be really cool i didn't even know this was coming out i might have to check this out as well kate what about you what are you excited for this week I, first of all, want to say that I've never watched uh, The Twilight Zone, and that's, like, eternally one of those things that's, like, how, man, I need to go back and do that because that's such such an integral part. Like, it, so many shows were influenced by that show that oh, yeah. I do watch and love that, I, yeah, I should go back and watch that. And I also should read this book. You really sold me. I am excited for, and this is a mouthful because Marvel loves its names, Journey mm-hmm. to Star Wars, colon, the Rise of Skywalker, dash, <laughs> Allegiance, number one. <laughs> Semicolon, first yeah. chapter, yeah, yeah, exactly. act exactly. two. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so this is um, a prequel series for the new movie. It's written by Ethan Sachs with art by Luke Ross, colors by Lee Lowridge, and Ooh. it's, yeah. So usually I'm not into these. I will just start out saying, but... Um, because my big thing is I get thrown by art when they're trying to draw the actors. So the facial uh, is very hard to do well mm-hmm. in comics. Uh, or just as an artist. Drawing people is hard. Drawing faces that are real people is very hard. Um, but there's several preview pages for this book um, out. Not uh, if you go to directly to Marvel's page that's selling it. But actually the like news articles and stuff. They clearly sent this to some outlets. Um, and that's what really sold me because the art is that, the beautiful, beautiful Star Wars art that I love. That's all the vibrant colors and the alien planets and the starships and oh, it looks mm-hmm. fantastic. So the story uh, is, you know, second, who cares about the story, right? But it's um, the delegation led by Leah and Ray is going over to the Mon Calamari and asking them to join the rebel fight, which they are uh, not wanting to do. And meanwhile, Poe and Finn are off hunting down a weapons cache um, on a remote moon, and they're being hunted by a notorious criminal gang. So Star Wars stuff is happening. People are running around trying to, you know, trying to talk to people, trying to fight people, you know, Star Wars stuff. Um, And this is going to um, feed into the movie. So it's all set directly before the new movie, which I am very hyped about. Plus, the new show's coming out soon. Like, we get the Disney uh, streaming service uh, rolls out on November 12th, and we, we get our Star Wars show with that. That's I'm I mean Mandalorian. I'm, I'm Mike I'm and hyped. I have uh, gone in uh, halvesies on on this. Well, not quite halvesies. There's other people Quarter-sies, roped into this. Something yeah. like that. We've got a lot of people involved. Maybe you should be disclosing this on the internet. Yeah, I don't know. We don't know. <laughs> oh. Listen, we all live in the same household. It's fine. Okay. Uh, <laughs> We're family and spirit. <laughs> yes. Yes. Household. Is that like a global village thing? Is that yes? Is that a, mm-hmm. Yes, the Earth is our house. The Earth right. is our mother. We're all her children. Yes, yes. And therefore, she houses all of us at the same time. The Earth is um, our house, and we can't get anyone to clean up from this terrible party we've been having oh for the last God. 100 years. This is, this yeah. allegory is working for me. 
Yeah. Well, for me this week, I'm excited about Outer Darkness number 11. Uh, I have a really small week, so I didn't couldn't really find anything else that I was super jazzed about. Um, the synopsis for this issue is sex priests, haunted hallucinogens, and barbarian mercenary lizards. Oh my. I never know what to expect about this book. I never know what to predict. John Lehman is constantly surprising me with his creativity, and Afu-chan is doing a stupendous job bringing those ideas to life in, in color, and it's just a beautiful book. If you're not reading Outer Darkness, you gotta get on it, people. It's so good. That's all I can really say about it. I'm just excited for another issue of this book, because it is by far the best image book that's being published right now, hands down. Huh. Yeah. I'm just going to say that. I'm just going to lay it all out. I mean, I, I've been preaching to the choir, I think, for a long time about this, but um, I do I do really love that book. I think it's stupendous, and John Lehman is doing such fun work with this book, and it's illustrated in the best way. Like, every character is so rich. Every beat of the story is interesting, and it's it's so far seemed to mostly be like a series of little one-shots with kind hmm. of an overarching thing, but... I don't know. We haven't really seen the other shoe drop yet, and I really like that. I'm so willing to take a risk on the rest of this book to just see what else John Lehman wants to do, and because it's that interesting, it's that fun, and it plays really well on like a good mix of sci-fi with a little bit of fantasy injected. Um, yeah, but well, you know, we're going to talk about all of that stuff after the break, where we're going to dive deep into fantasy comics, what we like, what we don't like, and it turns out Nick's never read a fantasy comic before this Whoa. past week. Oh, Whoa. Shit. We're going to discuss all that when we come back in just a second. <laughs> For our show this week, we are talking about fantasy comic books. And in specific, we're kind of asking the question, what do you like in terms of fantasy in, in general as a genre? And I realized that this kind of goes beyond just comic books, but I did want to focus it back into comics specifically to ask the question, like, where do we draw the line when it comes to fantasy? What actually is considered fantasy? And I, you know, I made the joke before the, we took our break here that uh, Nick had never read a fantasy book up until this week. That's probably not Joke's true. on you. Can't uh, even read. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's definitely not true. But the, the conversations that we've had leading up to this episode, Nick and I have had like one-on-one -on -one chats like, what actually is considered fantasy? And I know we can dive into the nitty-gritty of it, but Kate and Nick, I kind of wanted to hear your takes on it in terms of what you consider to be quote-unquote fantasy and which ones, like which of those fantasy-type books you actually prefer. Maybe you can give some examples uh, or you can just talk about what you dig on when it comes to the fantasy genre in general. So, Kate, I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to hand it over to you. Let's start with that. So in a very personal, not academic or realistic definition for anyone other than me, but when I'm like thinking, oh my gosh, I want to read fantasy books. I love fantasy books. Um, in every genre, I love fantasy stories. There is, that's my, my favorite. That is my jam. I'm thinking about world building. I want to escape into a fantasy world that's different from our own, even if it's only slightly different. Um, with usually there's magic involved. I love uh, well-defined magic systems. Um, there's usually some questing happening, which I deeply appreciate, and discovery or mystery of trying to figure out how different things in the world work. Um, and what kind of separates it from sci-fi for, for me, even if it's set in the future, um, sci-fi tends to have more of a tech-focused where... There's, um, you know, space travel and high high techy devices or whatever. But mm -hmm. one of the things that struck me right away when I um, tried to to brainstorm for this uh, episode was thinking about like the, some of the initial things that came to mind weren't actually fantasy comics. I don't think like Saga was one of the first things that came to mind, but. Then I was like, well, wait, isn't that significantly more sci-fi? And I think a lot of comics um, kind of blend that sci-fi fantasy um, genre in really interesting ways where you have both magic and advanced technology side by side, which is, I think, extremely fun and interesting. Um, but I don't know about you guys. What, what makes it a uh, fantasy for you? 
I, I think Saga is an interesting comic. I didn't even consider that because to me, I think it's a space opera. Yeah. It's no, in you're the same right. vein of something like, it's in the same vein of something like Star Wars, right? Yeah. Where there's, there's a lot of drama and there's some crazy stuff and I'm going to call the force magic. I don't care what anyone says. It's magic. It is. Um, <laughs> so it's, there's a lot of blend between, you know, sci-fi and fantasy, but it is to, in my mind, still more sci-fi than anything. Like yeah, Saga I mean, to me like, is still more tech focused and like structured system focused than a fantasy book. The the whole thing with the lightsaber is like basically it's the whole magic sword trope, right? The, our our yeah. intrepid hero is given a magic sword and has to go on a quest with it. That's like so bread and butter fantasy but then Mm -hmm, you throw mm -hmm. that into space and it's i love it so much exactly nick i I know that you and i we kind of talked about like where do you start to draw the line on this i know i want to pitch it over to you because i know you did a quite a big deep dive as you always do which i appreciate a lot (laughs) that's why we love Um, you nick yeah well you know first off the force is not magic and that's the exact sort of thing i would expect from someone whose midichlorian count is not over nine thousand. so i just double memed right there for those not keeping score um thank you <laughs> any midichlorians are bullshit who cares um yeah so yeah i, I I'll, I'll admit this when i read this week's topic and i was like all right what am i preparing for and the immediate thought was uh d- d- do I really read fantasy comics? And then I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh well, we're we're off to a great start now, Nick. This is <laughs> this is this is great territory to be in." Um, and then, of course, I was like, "Do I really have a firm grasp on what defines this genre? Am I going to have to be that guy who like introduces his like eleventh grade English essay with the dictionary defines fantasy comics as?" And you know what? Yes, I am that guy. So fuck you. Um, <laughs> So, (laughs) Wikipedia calls it a genre of speculative fiction set in a fictional universe, which that seems redundant. Well, it's been nice talking to you guys. Bye. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's often inspired by real world myth and folklore. I think that's a part we can fixate on. Um, I I went looking for a couple other people. Merriam-Webster says it's fiction featuring especially strange settings and grotesque creatures, which is like... That's a that's a little bit of tunnel vision there, Merriam-Webster. That's a little honed in. Don't know what I think about that. Mm-hmm. But then, as Kate said, usually there's magic. Usually there's witchcraft. Frequently, it's in a medieval setting, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And and I only started grasping for this because, um, I always used to think of fantasy as being, as I said earlier, more or less, uh, it's an elf with a bow in the woods or in a cave. He's looking for treasure. There's probably an orc somewhere. Somebody's got a shield and somebody's casting magic missile, right? Um, And I tell this to people uh, just to upset them more or less. And then they tell me, no, 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 no. Fantasy is is so much more than this. It's so much bigger. It's expanded so much. It's... uh, you know, it's it's so much more than that. And I'm like, well, first off, that whole, you know, you know, looking for treasure in a cave, that's not necessarily bad, but that's what I think of. And so when I read these things and all of these different elements that they talk about being fantasy, well, then I'm like, well, is Sixth Gun fantasy then? Or is Hellboy fantasy then? Or is Gideon Falls fantasy? And then people, a couple people I've talked to have been like, no, 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 no. That's not fantasy. That's horror with fantasy elements. Yeah, I mean, then I'm that, like, that's where okay, like, you start then to get... What's, what's quote-unquote pure fantasy then, which pure is a loaded word maybe that's not what we're gonna go with here but uh um you know what's 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 fantasy not acting as a supplementary element to something else and then Mm -hmm. i go are you gonna tell me that it's the dwarf in the cave hoarding his treasure because then we're back where we started so anyway this has been rambling with nick white for four minutes i hope you learned nothing Um, but but to to get to what you're, what you're saying, I mean, I think like to me, when I think of what is a, like an act a fantasy comic book, right? I think of Conan the Barbarian. I think Heathen, I think the skull kickers, you know, rat queens, hex 11. Well, actually, sorry. Hex 11 is a, an actual, I'm going to put an asterisk on that one. Um, Skull kickers. 
even the the yeah skull kickers pathfinder comic books the D comic books you know like they they take the fantasy genre and then they lay it out just in a, in like a tolkien-esque way to say like here's a world here's all this myth and folklore here's all this stuff because i think the core difference between like sci-fi and fantasy is that there's a lot of folklore like i think that that de- that definition from you know wikipedia is not that wrong um i I think it's it's a simplification but of course uh, all definitions are going to be a simplification like that um but the the thing that makes the books that i just listed different than something like sixth gun which i've I've never read or hellboy um you know i think is that like you said the fantasy is the supplement it's not the core of the book the core of the book is a different genre and it just happens to use those tropes i know i realize i'm like reiterating what you're saying but i i truly agree with that um because there you can look at something like uh, like Nimona, which is a book that Kate put on her her list, and Nimona to me feels pretty strongly fantasy, but it's definitely a comedy book. But I wouldn't say that the fantasy aspect of it is supplementary to the core of the story because the fantasy element is the core of the story, right. and it just happens to be a comedy. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, I, there's that genre blending that we are, we're going to see, and I think that's going to be a core point of discussion here is when do you actually where do you draw the line can you draw the line um i mean there's of course i think the the mentality out there that you really shouldn't draw the line if someone sees something as fantasy good let them have it but we're here to have that discussion is to say where do you, where can we draw the line um and I, I think a lot of the books that you have listed nick are really interesting and they they straddle the line between actual fantasy and like a blend of genres and where fantasy is the supplement um sorry kate go ahead i was gonna say you know, back to our, you know, now that we're all library members uh, chatting here, I've noticed more <laughs> and more libraries, especially smaller ones, are not separating out subgenres in their collection where they just are actually shelving them all as fiction because of this struggle where... Um, yeah, or nerd one- shit. That's what it says in my library. Just, just a collective... <laughs> Honestly, I love when they separate out the sci-fi and fantasy for me because that makes my search so much faster and easier. But a lot of libraries aren't doing that anymore because of this uh, overlap where something might be a mystery and an urban fantasy or it might be both... Um, you know, science fiction and fantasy, or it might be magical realism, but not enough people even know that so that then it's just like a normal YA book, you know, that kind of, um, that there's so much crossover between these subgenres and where things are, are both at the same time that a lot of people are going, eh, whatever. File it all in one basket. Yeah, I mean, but is, is that is that bad? I, I don't know if that's necessarily bad. I think bad. they I don't have a choice. I think yeah. the way things are blending so much right now, you you, you don't have a choice. Yeah. Because beyond that, you're going to have to have people sitting down and like parsing through the book or or trying to teach a computer to <laughs> distinguish between and then make the ultimate decision on whether it's sci-fi or fantasy. I'm inclined to say just have the author define what subgenre they want to put it in. Um, and call it good, but at that point, well, Kate, modern modern liter- literary critique would tell you that um, uh, literary intentions on the part of the author are no longer um, right, 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 you know, right. It's it's no longer something we dwell on as much or give yeah. prominence to as much as we yeah. used to. So, well, it, that's that's a whole evolution of how we view fiction. Yeah. I think <laughs> as, a, as a culture, I mean, right the, now, the bottom line is it's a struggle, right? Like we can yeah. already tell that we're debating over this. And and one thing I thought of when I was looking through my notes so frequently is just that lumping together category of we see it so much sci-fi slash fantasy. It's just sci-fi fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think the prominence of that, I think the popularity of that, I think that flat out speaks to the fact that um, without me having to bring out the Arthur C. Clarke quote, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, technolo- technology, suffici- sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic, I think is what yeah. it is, I think really just gets at the gets at the heart of things. And so uh, coming all the way back around, I think it's that blurring and that blending, and especially the blurring and blending with sci-fi that makes it so difficult to say, what are your favorite fantasy books? Because you either struggle with that question or you have to sort of mutate the question into what are your favorite, I don't know, fantasy-adjacent books. Right. Um, 
Well, like uh, one that I was thinking about is like pretty deadly. Like I'm like, oh yeah, that's totally fantasy. I'm like, wait a minute, it's definitely more Western, I think, than fantasy. And there's oh, yeah. stuff like that. Oh, there's a lot of Western books that that are comics that are like that. So if you want to talk Western fantasy, now we're getting into Six Gun. Now we're getting into East of West. Isn't Manifest yeah. Destiny um, like that too? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, but like, there's again this. But I think the the core of that is to say the core, like the, the primary genre in that book is Western. And right. It just uses fantasy. Well, elements. who's to say, Michael? Well, I am to say. That's what yeah, I'm okay. fucking doing right now. Is I'm saying it because <laughs> that's I think on this. that there is like a like there are books like for me, fa- Hellboy is more fantasy than horror. Maybe that's just because yeah. I no, I, I actually I would agree with that. I think that fantasy, I think that Hellboy is definitely more fantasy than horror. Um, whereas on the on the flip side of that, like Harrow County is way more horror than fantasy, For but sure. it uses a lot of fantasy elements in it. You know, so like, but I think that there are you know authors out there who are trying to create books and the one that comes to mind to me every time for this this kind of discussion is jim butcher with his dresden files Mm -hmm. series right that book to me is a pure fantasy book and we put it in that subgenre of urban fantasy you know that takes place where things are like fantastical and uh but they take place in like a modern day so you kind of have to deal with technology as part of the story but jim butcher gets interesting and gets to sneak around that by saying, oh, yeah, uh, wizards have a really hard time with tech, so they just don't ever use it. <laughs> Which, like, that's fine. Sure, that's that's how you sneak, skirt around it. But I think that at the core of that book, it's it's the fantasy elements. It's the magic. It's the lore. It's the all the spells that Harry has to come up with, all the, the mythos that he has right. to learn about is it's at the core of that book. And if you were to erase all of the modern portions of that book and instead replace it with like you know a typical medieval setting you go damn that's a fantasy book you know i think if you start to like strip away some of the environment variables of some of these books you can really start to cut down to the core of what that book actually is um and in defining the the genre for i think that like and maybe this may be me being a little bit harsh and trying to like categorize things too much but i think like when we're looking at something like an east of west nick that's the book that keeps breaking my brain in this conversation um east of west i think when you drill down to what it is at the core i don't think it's a sci-fi book i think it's a it's a fantasy if it's probably more of a western than anything um but i i think it's more of a fantasy than anything else um because even with all the tech and all of the stuff that's going on that is to take the arthur c clark quote to heart is just another form of magic. It's just done a different way. Well, again, you've got like what, like the four harbingers of the apocalypse and all of that stuff yeah. going on. And I mean, if you look at the Bible, it's just a big fantasy book, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Uh, no, I mean, we're not going to veer into that topic. No, no, uh, but but you, but you're, he's taking you know these these myths and these these yeah. lore. Oh, absolutely. Else about about it. revelations in the end time. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, I I think. I don't know. There's there's a lot of books that kind of kind of draw like themselves like just over the line of one genre or another. Um, but I think you can you can break them down. Um, I guess the to actually get to the question. I mean, like, what kind of fantasy comics do you like? Now that we've kind of established like a semblance of understanding <laughs> as to what that means, what kind of fantasy books do you guys like? I know we've got a bunch of things written down. I kind of wrote down some pure what i consider to be like true fantasy like honestly just just classic i guess you could say maybe classic classic fantasy um but yeah i'm curious to know what kind of stuff you like um kate i know you've got a list nick you've got a list as well so um let's start with yours kate because i know nick you just wrote down stuff to make this discussion harder to be a real (laughs) edge lord (laughs) no no i no. you have some some great points so i want to get to them but uh Kate, what about you? What what are some of your favorites? So going back to like the yeah, I wrote stuff down, but now now that we're having this discussion, I'm like, crap, witches is more horror than fantasy. So cross totally. that one out. Pretty deadly, more western than fantasy. Cross that one off. Nimona definitely is one of my favorites. Wictiv, I I feel like that's a fantasy book. As soon as you add Ooh. a bunch of god and goddesses, is if there's a pantheon involved, I was gonna say I that's a fantasy. real mythology heavy. Yeah. 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 So I I love that series. I need to catch up. Um but now that you know how you get to the series where you're behind enough and they're far enough in with it ending that you're like, well, I'm just going to wait until it's now totally over to buy the last like two volumes I'm missing and then read it all mm-hmm. at once. I'll just do a complete reread. Um, I think uh, Rat Queens is very classic sword and sorcery um, type comic that I love. 
Bone hits hit, scratches that fantasy itch for me. I don't know if you guys would consider Bone a fantasy comic. God, I wish I had read it. I wish I'd read Bone. I I, I haven't. I feel bad about it. I know. I know. So if, I know. If anything else, I I don't know where you would put it. Yeah. Otherwise, just I think just <laughs> I mean, it's children. An, it's a story so about ma- adventure. Yeah, it's right? an adventure story with yeah. with creatures and but but to that end, it's very much just sort of children's mythos type stuff. But um, I kill giants. To me, I don't know that I'd call it a fantasy comic. Maybe I would. I certainly did when I was making the list. But it it mm-hmm. its use of fantasy elements to depict the inner struggles of its main character, I think, is. I mean, it's it's. One of, if not my favorite comic. Um, and I think its use of fantasy is probably one of the best uses of fantasy elements that I've ever seen in comics. Um, mm-hmm. So I wanted that on this list. Well, that that actually kind of brings up an interesting side question of this. You know, it's like, why, why did those elements ring so true to you? Especially in a book like I Kill Giants, when like, the, the, you know, the primary focus of the book isn't really in a fantasy world. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's more of a, like a drama, like a story that's kind of got a weird slice of life edge to it. Yep. But, um, but the fantasy elements, it sounds to me, it like is what made the book work on a whole level for you. Like it, it rounded the circle for you. Yeah, um, I think. What would you say like dr- drives you to that? What drives me to fantasy in the first place? Well, yeah, I mean, like, what makes I Kill Giants work so much better because of those fantasy elements? Um, Or what drives you to fantasy in general, yeah? Well, the world is a sick, sad place, as Daria would say, and Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) so I I like the escapism of science fiction and fantasy, Um, and I always have. The, I think the thing with I Kill Giants that makes it feel very fantasy to me outside of having mythical creatures of the giants is the magic weapon. As soon as our hero has a magic weapon that only they can use to stop the forces of evil kind of thing, that feels very fantasy to me because I've read read and watched and consumed so much uh, high fantasy. And the weaving in, I think it's very hard to depict the inner life of children um, accurately in a way that feels real, especially feels real looking back as an adult. And... I thought that it, without massive spoilers, I thought that was just really expertly done. I think one of the other things that really works in that series is that it's uh, a maxi, that it has an end. Because with a lot of fantasy series, you have a really um, excellent world building and exploring in the first few things, but they kind of can explode out of control. There's like that exponential boom in the mythology and the magic system and the, as, as it keeps going and they can kind of yeah, outgrow yeah. themselves in a way that then I tend to lose interest. Um, and I think that, that it being self-contained in that way uh, worked extremely well. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, well, throw it over to you, Nick. I mean, what are some of your favorite fantasy books that are out there or maybe not so fantasy books <laughs> quote fantasy unquote fantasy yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um i i enjoyed lock and key so far i'll i'll probably continue that and to hear your optimistic words on that uh will just be a little bit more encouragement in that direction mm-hmm. um hellboy is definitely one for me as i said i think a lot of people want to put this as a horror book just right off the bat i think that they see that as just naturally the category it falls into because i don't know because it's about a a demon i I guess i don't know but (laughs) it's so focused on like the mythos of um religion apocryphal religion uh relics and age-old items that have been bestowed with certain abilities it feels very fantasy to to me yeah yeah oh yeah i i think so i mean and there's definitely a boatload of monstrous mythological creatures being slain and whatnot that uh i i i don't I don't really see it belonging in horror quite as much as other people do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that that really belongs in, in fantasy, if anything else. Um, Little Nemo, the more recent one, obviously it was originally a comic strip in the early 20th century. Um, shout out to Winston McKay, um, who I think he technically lived in Spring Lake for a long time. I don't think he was born there, but... Um, 
Uh, and I guess maybe that also just has to do with me having a huge fondness for the little Nemo NES game, which if you haven't played that and you have a desire to fling a console through a window, um, <laughs> check that out, everyone. <laughs> this is kind of cheating, but I'm still going to include it. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is actually a bit of a fantasy book. Nah. Um, and that might be more <laughs> reboot centric, but okay. Media tie-in. Media tie-in. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, if you, if, if, if you're looking at, um, if you're looking at sort of the reincarnation and mystical elements of the current iteration, um, they're dealing with, um, I think several, um, like witches and, and characters that are derived from Japanese mythology. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's some of that going on. Again, it's not um, ever present, but it certainly is um, a crucial part of um, developing the book's origins, if anything else. Um, as I said earlier, Sixth Gun for me is one in terms of having these relics and items uh, with mystical slash religious, um, I think, origins. It's been a while, but... Uh, and, and yes, a lot of the remainder of Six Gun is really Western-oriented, um, action-oriented, but but there's certainly a good amount of the supernatural in there. There's a, certainly a good amount of um, weird creatures and things like that, um, yeah. and, and magic. And I think there's even some v- like voodoo-related stuff, too. I think it's in, like, volume four. I know. Again, I, I, it really needs a reread on my part. Mm-hmm. Um, Berserker on Bound, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and obviously that takes, takes this very sword and sandal Conan origin and, 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 and uh, twists it. But that is where it begins. So I guess that's something. Um, what else? I mean the 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 I mean we could continue to list comics here. I guess the yeah. the question that I want to get to is the same I asked is Kate is you know what works for you with these fantasy mm-hmm. elements like what what drives right you to if these I were books? to take this list what's the common thread for me yeah yeah uh, I, I think really the common thread in a lot of them and it probably is pretty easily reflected by the conversation we've had so far is that it's not so much the traditionalist fantasy stuff that interests me it's how it's being blended and and um set alongside other genres and and mashed up um it's really those sorts of things that that interest me and again it's not to say that you can't tell a great quote unquote traditional fantasy narrative and it's not to say that people aren't doing that but i guess for me and again, brighter creative people might not feel that more creative people might not feel this way. But for me, quote unquote, traditional fantasy feels restrictive. And so for me, the stuff that I find more interesting are the people that are smashing it with other genres and creating, you know, interesting byproducts from that, I guess. Gotcha. Gotcha. How about you, Mike? I mean, I, I, just love traditional fantasy to death i don't know what it is it's funny because i've i've never been like i'm the exact opposite of you nick i think that's really funny because um i think that you know the 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 traditional stuff like i never was like even a fan of lord of the rings but like i love everything that came because of or came out because of lord of the rings in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. um like that the idea that we talked about of you know like massive um world building with like characters and in you know intricate magic systems and all this stuff you know i'm more i read more fantasy prose books than probably anything else Uh, i try to read a lot of sci-fi but like fantasy prose is always what i like fall back on because it's fucking bread and butter for me and um so, like, when I think of comics, like, things that really work for me are things like Heathen or Skull Kickers or Rat Queens. I mean, I know we talked about all these, but, like, the, the it's funny because you'd think that, like, the D&D comics or the Pathfinder comics would work for me. Um, but I never really got into those books because they really relied on, like, the the meta narrative of themselves, understanding that, like this is a comic book about D&D and it's, you know, like someone is playing this game, quote unquote. Um, but uh, I, I always really dig that kind of stuff. Like, and I mentioned a book called Hex 11 earlier because I think like that book is, 
is set in more of like an urban fantasy style or urban fantasy setting um and i think people could say that you could argue that it is like a little bit more sci-fi than fantasy but the whole book is about magic it's all focused on magic it just looks really futuristic um and yeah so i mean something like that like i read it and i immediately fell in love with it um and i pretty much do that with any book that just pulls in fantasy elements like that like I, I mentioned outer darkness earlier and like that book super works for me because it's a blend of my two favorite things which is you know sci-fi and fantasy but in an absurd way that isn't trying to poke fun at itself it's like nah dude this is just how the world works we have a god that powers the engine of this ship that allows us to you know yeah do faster than light travel it's like oh okay it's like just deal with it that's the lore you know um and magic is a core component of every ship it's not like a a one-off thing oh we found a magician on a weird planet no like every ship has like a lead magician and a bunch of subordinate magicians but there's also like a lead mathematician who also has a subordinates of mathematicians and stuff um it's it's such a cool mix of the two things that i really love in in like fiction and you know sci-fi and fantasy all in one without again like i said poking fun at itself and making notes that yeah this is a mix of both guys get over it um i think john layman does a great job of taking him, him himself seriously as he's writing this book um whereas something like rat queens doesn't take itself seriously but the lore of that world is very true like the characters themselves are jokesters and dummies but the actual like world and world building is like super solid yeah um i think uh uh curtis weeb i think his name is um i i I, totally forgetting um and now the the guy that just took over i think they're doing a great job of like telling a really good fantasy story that is a really fun time to read um i'm i'm also the type of person that takes his fantasy very seriously like in, in the sense that like when i'm reading a fantasy book like i don't want jokes i don't want anything fun i just want like the struggles of people who don't have guns <laughs> good lord well I, like, I i think I, go ahead Mike. go ahead no no go ahead Nick. okay I, I was gonna say i i think what helps books like nimona and books like rat queens which i think you know you could argue are more traditional fantasy is that for me um like their speech patterns their um their 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 um you know language uh word conversation choices uh and 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 the sense of humor in those books i would argue is more modern yeah yeah the way the way that they speak with each other you're not getting a lot of thou's thou shall blah 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 like you would get in a more (laughs) traditional high fantasy people are talking like they talk now um and and like i said the sense of humor uh seems a little bit more I don't know, like like some popular, I guess you would say, quote-unquote, traditional fantasy um, books always kind of make me think of Adventure Time in the sense that it's, uh, it's, it's equipped with more traditional high fantasy elements, but the sense of humor uh, and the quirkiness um, or the crudeness of it sometimes um, is geared towards a modern audience and almost seems a little bit anachronistic. Yeah, I can I can totally see that. And again, this is this is where I'm like I want my fantasy as serious as possible, right? Like I want the <laughs> I want the thou's and you shall not speak to me. I'm the high lord of the city. Like think you know shit like that. Like that's <laughs> sure, that's sure. what I want. It's sure. like a it's for some reason I I totally dig on it. But not to say that like modern takes on fantasy are bad at all. Like I, I think that they have their place and they super work. Like you know I just mentioned a couple that I really enjoy. Um, like I think even something like Heathen, which has a it's a weird mix of modern and traditional like dialogue and characters um in terms of like someone like odin or freya in the comic book you know they speak in kind of a different way than uh you know uh Adis does um where she's kind of a normal layperson and they're fucking gods of course they're going to speak a little bit differently but um it still feels like a more modern feel to you know to describe it the way that you put it nick um but something like rat queens i totally get those books but man at the end of the day if i if you had to give me a choice between like super serious fantasy and like a modern t- style fantasy i'd be i'd pick the serious one every time i i just i just want some rhyme and reason in my world that's <laughs> that's all <laughs> um but yeah i guess i don't know we we, we've been kind of chatting for a little while i'd love to hear what people out there 
think of fantasy comics if you're reading any. I know that we probably could go on, on and on about books that have exploded over the last couple years with fantasy. Like Fair Lady was a book that came out that I think unfortunately was cut short. Um, really cool fantasy book. There's a ton of stuff that if I think fantasy books are starting to grow a little bit more, especially in the comic book world. Um, so I'd be curious to know what drives other people to fantasy books or what they consider to be fantasy because I've, I've never considered some of those books, Nick, and I'm glad you brought them up. Um, so do you guys have any final thoughts on, on fantasy comics in general? Anything you definitely recommend to someone that you know is fantasy? <laughs> I would recommend I Kill Giants and Bone to literally anyone, anyone on the planet. Mm-hmm. I think um, I could I could easily give that hand those two. I think uh, Wictiv is a really common recommendation I give to people, but I do um, find out what they like before giving it to them because I think that's a little more intense to get into and follow than either of those those other books um yeah yeah, i get that partially because well compared to i kill giants it's a bigger commitment there's a lot more to it um and compared to bone there's just it's just a much heavier read right right what about you nick any any recommendations you'd give to people in terms of fantasy books or any final thoughts on fantasy like um britannia from valiant for me i think is a perfect choice um it's relatively self-contained it's an interesting sort of collision of being a period piece about the Roman Empire juxtaposed alongside um, magic and mythology and folklore mm-hmm. and kind of um, dealing with a character who, as like the first modern detective, he's like, guess what? Like, if you believe it's raining because the gods are angry or if you believe that you had a great harvest because they love you you know he's like guys i I cracked the code like none of that stuff is real but then he also gets sent to i forget the name for it at the time but he gets sent to the um the where the romans were god i can't remember the name of it but it's basically when they were showing up in england more or less Mm -hmm. and trying to um take over that area and uh starts to come into contact with some stuff that may or may not be quote-unquote real magic so um britannia would be one uh, it seems stupid to recommend hellboy because it's like it's almost almost like saying recommending like justice league to someone it's like either they already know about it or not but whatever um demon knights is really interesting if you wanted a pretty traditional fantasy book in terms of the fantasy staples and archetypes mm-hmm. but you wanted it within dc canon um and that was a new 52 launch book and of course it was kind of a weird quirky little title so it lasted longer than i think most people thought but not as long as some of us wanted right um and then something like birthright is just great if you want to really smash together like a modern mystery sort of uh very grounded in our world and yet also very grounded in a pretty traditional fantasy world simultaneously definitely definitely did it go on for too long yeah probably (laughs) but uh, you could still try it i mean otherwise if you if you're done with hellboy just jump onto Witchfinder or or bprd <laughs> like yeah, mike mignola's yeah. got you covered like just because you're done with his his uh flagship book doesn't mean you can't continue to hide in that universe forever because uh there's a whole bunch of other wonderful stuff mike put my check in the mail please and that's yeah. mike mignola i mean mike you can send me a check too but yeah mike probably mignola, not it's 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 you said it would be here by now you know one thing that's interesting to me is to any non-comics people pretty much all comics are fantasy genre right like all the capes they'd consider fantasy books they're about people with Uh, superpowers and like especially when you're talking about like wonder woman any comic is a fantasy comic if you're brave enough oh Um, my god no yeah okay well you know what i mean like it's funny that we're kind of (laughs) yeah um, I, i mean yeah we're dissecting things maybe down a bit too much um but i think yeah, maybe they, they'd see that. I think they would probably say, oh, that's sci-fi fantasy. They mm-hmm. would just call it both, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I 
That's yeah, that's really interesting. Oh man, see, there's another 20 minutes worth of discussion, yep. but you know, we have to wrap up. This is, we might have to revisit this. I say that a lot. I've been saying that a lot recently because we've been having some fantastic conversations, but um, Kate and Nick, I want to thank you guys for being on the show this week. You remember, you can follow us all on Twitter. You can follow Nick at Death Star Plans. You can follow me at Mike Rappin. You can follow the show at IRCB Podcast as well on Twitter or Twitter and Instagram, I should say. We would love it if you went ahead and subscribed to our Patreon. You can go access that at patreon.com forward slash IRCB podcast. Without your support, this show wouldn't survive. If you join now, you can get access to exclusive audio. You can get access to episodes a full day early. We've got articles on there. We've got previews of our schedule. We've got access to show notes. It's everything. Our Goodreads group is a wonderful community of comic friends, and we have weekly threads. One of this week's threads that we would love to have you go ahead and check out is our discussion of the October book of the month, They Called Us Enemy. Head on over there whenever you have the opportunity. It's great discussion. It's wonderful people. It's a very, very well-engaged community. There's always someone wanting to talk about something. You can also find us at ircbpodcast.com. You can check out our pronunciation guide of comic book creator names, uh, our Discord server, zines, merch, and everything else IRCB. If you haven't already, please rate and review our show on iTunes and beyond, and we'll read your review on the next episode. You can also email the show with what you've been reading, recipes, corrections, whatever you feel like at ircbpodcast at gmail.com. Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of the music for our show. We want to thank them for the many years of support they've given us. Xander is a high wizard of the greatest kind. He blesses us with his presence once a week to deliver an episode onto us. He's also a really cool dude. He's our editor. Uh, I want to say thank you to Kate and Nick for being on the show. Thank you to everyone for listening. You guys are amazing. I'm so happy to actually talk to everybody about New York City Comic Con stuff this weekend. So thank you again for all your support. And until next time, comic books are good, and so are you.